Well, Queeros, Cami here. You know, we have new patrons after I mentioned Patreon on the podcast last week. And currently, 69. That's how many patrons we have. 69. But my goal is to get it to 100. Some folks have joined with a monthly commitment of just a dollar. And that's so appreciated. You know, um, it takes a lot to make this show. And times are tough in terms of podcast ads these days. So if you love this show, head over to patreon.com slash heyqueeros and join us today. You get a ton of cool free perks, an opportunity to hang out with me and Sierra once a month. Um, and those have been so fun. Um, and a short little Hey Queeros podcast. Patreon.com slash Hey Queeros. And thank you all so much. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Well, Queeros, happy Thanksgiving week. I just wanted to let you know that I am doing a special show here at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles that you can stream from anywhere uh, using the internet. <laughs> the show's at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. I've got a lot of awesome guests and surprises planned for you, and I hope it will just feel like a trip home, a Thanksgiving holiday variety show, fun, light in the mood time. Tickets are 10 bucks, and I'm going to use that money to help support Dynasty Typewriter and keep that venue open. It's a venue I really care about, and um, because of you, I have been able to, so far in the pandemic, donate 12 grand to Dynasty. So it is really awesome if you can make it. And I, all information is on all of my socials. Whew. Today on the show, Parvesh China, who is an actor that is known for a zillion things. Um, he's been just like his Wikipedia page. It's like, dang, this guy works a lot. But you might know him from crazy ex-girlfriend, or more recently, um, from connecting on Peacock. I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, wherever you are and whoever you're spending it with. I know I will be home spending it with Ruby and Katie. And so from my family, mwah, and enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I always have folks introduce themselves to start the podcast. Will you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Parvesh China, and I'm on Query with Cameron Esposito. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, you really are. Also, are you from Naperville, Illinois? Hell yes. I Why? went to Bennett. I w- didn't get, they did not let me into Bennett, and I got like a 98, 99 on all my tests because like wow. in eighth grade, I at Gregory Middle School, I was like, oh, let's go check out. Do we want to do this Wabanzi Valley thing? Why not? So I, I did the test, didn't get in. And then like my friends were like, you're not Catholic. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fair. But like, I did not get in. And then we, and then like, so friends went to Bennett, Marmion, uh, yeah. Rosary, like in Aurora. But I just, I, I did have that badge of honor. And that was also my first thing about like, why does the religion matter? On my, it was like the first step on my path to atheism. Yes. Back then. Wow. I mean, like, was I, this the first kind of like, why? Why is this an issue? You know, but friends were like, because you're not Catholic. But I do remember like acing all the tests, going over to like, what was it? I, IBC back then before it became Benedictine University. Yes. And it was, just, that is so fascinating. Like, and then we even moved. We lived on that, that side of Naperville. We were on the Aurora side for a bit. Then mom, we moved, we had moved to like, like 75th and Hobson, like kind of that. Oh, that wow. Lyle side. Yeah. Yeah. And now mom's, now she's back. She is still there in South Naperville, closer to Plainfield, closer to Nequa Valley, actually. Wow. So anybody who's listening, who isn't like intimately uh, familiar <laughs> with the Western suburbs, suburbs of Chicago. So I actually grew up like, I grew up in Western Springs, which is near Hinsdale. So like for right. me. You, to- you guys had a 
community theater, I think, like Theater yeah. of Western Springs. That's right. My little sister My, did shows there. Yeah. Because yeah. we were we were summer place in Naperville. Absolutely. That's Naperville Central. Yeah. Um, so we're from like sometimes even maybe an hour apart, depending on traffic and stuff. But but that right. is where the like sort of this very a good a academic a school with a good academic record like technically mm-hmm. in the state of illinois but also that like is super catholic and i've actually never heard this story before that someone didn't get in because of faith i mean like the, i'm sure the, that's true i i hadn't heard it yeah it was and this is not even an idea it's the first time like i even thought about <laughs> bennett academy and right but i do remember like nailing doing really well and i'm a good test taker like i could care less about homework because my, my, I remember like being like in third or fourth grade visiting relatives in India. And when you go to India coming from the Americans, you know, that when we go back, if we go at Christmas, we're gone for like two, three, four months. It's the most expensive ticket, you know, like Chicago to Delhi. It could be 500 to a thousand during the rest of the year. But then those two, three weeks of Christmas triple. So we'd be in, but we'd, so we'd be in India for like a month at a time, summer or Christmas. And then my cousins would always be doing their exams, same age, even in elementary school, they only had two grades. They had midterm exam and final exam, kind of like, you know, by senior year, by high school or even college, that's how American education was. Mm-hmm. But remember when we were growing up and kids were like, oh, participation, extra credit, good. He's got a good <laughs> demeanor. Those yeah, are all yeah, points. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that was like, I was bad at homework because I always felt like, oh, my cousins just have to do well on the test. They don't have to do any of this. And they, I, I, I always was of the mindset, like, you don't have to do homework if you're nailing the tests. If you're getting 100% on the algebra test, why do you have to go home and do homework? So I never did homework. So that's where my grades went down. But I just remember I was always great at tests, the Iowa skills test oh, yeah, and everything. Absolutely. Right. So the, I did well on tests. That's why I'll always remember Bennett Academy. I'm like, what's what's the problem here? Everything's like above a 90. I mean, I'm sure was, you're right. You know, I'm sure yeah. you're right. Also, because it's a school that like really prioritizes legacy. Um, sure. Admission. This is all new to us. Brown immigrant people, even born in America. All this legacy shit. We did not know like, oh, you get a, you can get into Yale easier because your brother went there. I know. I mean, that's what's so wild about people freaking out about um affirmative action is like you know straight up that's actually what's currently going on i don't know i mean for to to have your high school admissions affected by whether or not you're like you're saying brother in my case my sister actually went there ahead of me so like when did you graduate high school i graduated in 2000 what about you so i'm older than you i'm 97 so we literally you were a freshman when I was a senior. Yeah, you would have been, you would have been, my sister was, is a year older than you. So yeah, we're not, we would have been in high school the same, we would have been high school friends. I know. Once again, Bennett Academy robbing me of the peer (laughs) friends that I was supposed to have. You had that fear, we had that fear, because you know, for immigrant communities, as we've learned, like, you know, we have so many like catchphrases or new words that become Part of our cultural lexicon, especially as like liberal lefty uh, LGBTQIA folks, bandwidth is my favorite one. I'm like, oh, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with you anymore. You know, like the people. <laughs> but, so I just I, I think about you know we've had so much. Where was I going with this? Why was I think, thinking bandwidth and legacy stuff from school? education so i lost it cameron i really just i can redirect because i've got some i've got some great follow-ups um i i think they're great they're things i'm actually interested in so yeah (laughs) so actually at at, so at bennett and also like naperville lyle yeah um i will always be uh you know a white person from the suburbs and i will say that like the biggest like minority or immigrant community from my perspective in that area are South Asian folks and Asian folks. Oh, hell yeah. Like there aren't All a ton Asian. of black people. There aren't a ton of Latinx people. Nope. Um, but there is, there is a very substantial, I mean, it, it's like at the high school that I went to elsewhere, like there was, that was the, 
it was like white and South Asian and Asian and East Asian folks. Yeah. Like that's the Na- Naperville Aurora is still Aurora has a bigger Latinx and black population. That's true. Because yeah. It was more urban, you know, like which they which when we grew up. Asian culture, Asian communities, especially immigrant communities aligned with white. Oh, it's privilege. I remember the word, the buzz <laughs> phrase. It's privilege. We have so much. I think us Chicago suburbanites, specifically the Western suburbs, which is not, we know, the North Shore. We're not the John Hughes. We're not the home alone. That's the North Jewish, rich, you know, Michael Jordan lived in Lake Forest, Highland Park, up that way. We Western suburb suburbs were cheaper. It was nouveau riche, kind of, you know, like. And so remember, Asian folks who came here, my parents, brain drain, you know, Johnson and t- enacted under Nixon the when they got rid of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1925, blah, blah, blah. We, my dad, educated engineer, his white bosses and stuff already with white flight already happened for like a decade or two by the time like 1970 rolls around. My dad lived in Edgewater. My mom remembers the Treasure Island up there because when I lived in Boys Town in Chicago, there was a Treasure Island right off Broadway. So I remember being like kind of close to my family. But they are now like with this AP US history, you know, and all this like regard that we know about redlining to, Mm -hmm. you know, like why they wouldn't let Raisin in the Sun, why they wouldn't let black folks into, you know, communities. Asian folks sometimes were like, oh, yeah, we don't want to be with the why they my dad viewed like, why are the blacks and Latin folks so lazy? Because that's what was perpetuated to them. Like, oh, yeah, you're a smart, hardworking immigrant. You should be in the suburbs. Get thee to Schomburg. Get thee to Aurora Naperville. So that's what they did. So that's where, like, and we've seen that fight finally come, or that, like, conversation happen in this last year from George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, a lot of, like, the South Asians and Asians for Black Lives, because we grew up not being thinking that, like, oh, I'm white. I thought I was a white kid until... Do you know what really hit for me, Cameron, was 9-11. Musical theater student at Roosevelt University downtown, and 9-11 happens. And I tell, like, my Black girlfriend, Winter, who's, you know, Winter Spears, who's a stand-up here in L.A. and, you know, hosts at Flappers a lot. Winter and I worked at Chicago Shakespeare Theater as ticket agents. Winter helped drive me across country from Chicago to L.A. in 04. And she said, welcome to being Black. For being, I was followed at the Old Navy on State Street. Like this is college, like junior, and I was like, I'm gonna shop in between like movement and Shakespeare for acting. And I remember just being followed around because 9/11 had happened, and now brown people were just different and other. So I think that was that first moment that brown Asians, South Asians, were like, oh, we don't belong even in the suburbs now, you know. So that was like the first like. Also, the first 10 years of my career were, were kind of pigeonholed, were like through the lens of you're going to work all that all the time because you're terrorist looking, you know, like college professors at, U- at Roosevelt were like, take out your piercings, stop dyeing your hair. We're not doing, you know, funky art musicals anymore. You're going to be <laughs> you're going to go out for convenience store guys and taxi drivers. I know I jumped a lot there for a bit, but that's that kind of suburban nutshell of like you know of identity and we even forget now forget notice i'm not even talking about any element of like my gay or queer identity which was more of the struggle first before racial identity because i never thought about this i never thought about the color of my skin until it came to my acting career well yeah i have like a bunch of follow-ups here sorry Um, i unloaded a lot i haven't had therapy this week yet (laughs) um it's great (laughs) So that was your experience in your experience mm-hmm. m- mirrored what you were just talking about, where like, yeah, growing up, you didn't. Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, I hear you. Um, oh, I have so many. Why like, did you pick Bennett? Because I was raised super Catholic and but like what would have been your high school in Western Springs? Lyons Township, which is like a perfectly. Yeah, it's a perfectly good. Um, public yeah. high school. The difference being that, oh, I think I need to, <laughs> I think I need to go in the kitchen for a second. Are you in LA? I'm guess I'm assuming, but I don't want to always assume anymore. Yeah, I am in LA. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm in the valley. 
Well, yeah, I actually technically, I live in Pasadena these days. I moved to the foothills. Oh, it's really I beautiful love here. it. That's my dream. I can't afford it yet. We, but I, th- you get to a standard. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, I need a house. I'm not going to buy a condo at this point. Yeah, that's personal. I hear you. Um, okay, so what was I saying? Uh, this is like everyone who, who's listening. Cameron is dealing with an issue. I don't know why I'm like narrating you gone. It's like, I feel like so this is like live. what is happening is truly amazing. Um, somebody just mm-hmm. came to fix the smoke detector in my house. Well, right. Also, is it, beeping? Were, it was it has been ceaselessly beeping. Then I've been trying mm-hmm. to change the batteries and it actually just beeps louder. So it's possible yeah. that at any point, a uh, very loud smoke <laughs> alarm will go off. While also I woke up to them replacing the roof um, next to my office. So like I'm just sort of in the middle of the house crouching yeah. in a corner like my poor girlfriend also works in there's like not really a door between where i am and where she works right now so what i'm saying is yes work from home the transition to work from home is mm-hmm. i think i'm actually living like the best version of it i don't have a kid and right i like we lived in a pretty a smaller place where i was um where there was no door between where we had to work for eight months of the pandemic. And that actually ended up being too much of that. So we recently right. moved. Um, and like, this is hard, you know, the transition of like, even this best case version is just like, sure. God, you shouldn't be able to hear somebody this much for either of us. You know, right. you shouldn't constantly we, be I get, in every business meeting that you're not actually. Is your girlfriend in the industry? She works in books. She's an editor at okay. Random House. Excellent. So, so adjacent, at least not on, you know, not the performative mediums like that we work in. Yes, we have no need to ever be in the same meetings, but I am learning a little bit about um, like paper, the, the type of paper that you need, you know, like just really important <laughs> stuff <laughs> for me. I my, my partner works, he's in, he's in tech, engineering tech and different, you know, from medical to wow. aerospace right now. And I love that it's it's just uh, 180 degrees, but he does give a lot of notes on self tapes. Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, what? And what I don't does mind. He do on the tech side of things, like, like design it. Li- no, literally, like you know, the engineering tech who, like, if you were the engineer, like the right hand man to like the engineers, basically, like <laughs> you know, does all the work, does mm. all the crap. Think I and so, but he's. I think he's going to go back to school. And we're definitely eyeing that for next year, for 2021. We're looking at, we're making the jump. I think we're like 90% now leaving the valley and we're going to like Lakewood, Long Beach, north of Long Beach, like the suburb of Long Beach, basically to the north. Because friends, so many, like so many queer friends live in Long Beach. We know that, especially like the ones who don't want the WeHo Silver Lake lifestyle. You know, a lot of lesbian, a lot of trans friends live down or like even like just the other interracial married gays. And I'm talking to a bunch of different friends and they they don't have garages or like, you know, how Long Beach just being closer to the ocean. It's just tighter. So everyone's thinking about just a little bit more space, but primarily because just of education elements for him too, like Long Beach, uh, Cal State Long Beach. Right. Let alone you go to Orange County. And I have, a you know, when we talk about like red counties or red areas or versus blue areas it's fascinating to me that like orange county has such a huge asian population like michelle Steele, you know republican asian won against you know the white democratic guy oh man this is like so interesting so you are you are in an interracial relationship Mm -hmm. yeah my guy's white because i tried for years to date other south asians in the industry but Back in my twenties, there were especially the hotter ones were were worried about like what does it mean to come out as a gay Indian leading type man, especially in like oh eight oh nine. This is not twenty 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 nineteen. So some of my peers, and again, who you saw, like of course I'm going to be attracted to other actors because that's who I saw. But I it was harder. I, I always thought I even joke with Eric, my partner. I'm like, oh, you're white. This is you're so bad for my brand and my image <laughs> in terms of politics and whatnot. But it's I know. And that's I mean, I, have, he, he, I am sinking is your my girlfriend? girlfriend's ship a little bit in this way also. Well, she's she's <laughs> she's a mixed race. Um, 
she's she's Japanese and Irish. And uh-huh. um, one thing I'll just say is like, yeah, we live right now in an area. So we live in like we moved to the essentially the mountains, um, which has just right. been really like I knew we needed some more space. I knew we couldn't afford to stay where we were and have more space. And I also right. um, thought that what's getting me through this time right now is like the outdoors. So it felt like this nice confluence of things. Um, Did you get a yard? We have a yard, which is great. And we're just like renting a house. It's actually amazing. It's, it's I think it's the right thing for us for right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that, you know, this is also an area that has like a super big population of Chinese immigrants specifically and then like then the next generation so like also chinese folks who were born here um in the u.s for multiple generations too it's just like got a huge chinese population in the san gabriel valley which is where i live and so there are a crap ton of interracial couples on our block which is very funny because we moved here and it's like there isn't a huge queer population and i thought like okay well we're we're taking like a bit of a risk in that area like to to move somewhere we're not seeing like visible queers um right but then i thought well, even in pa- even in the hills really in pasadena i, I mean like there's like Pasadena's- some yeah it's crunchy like it's crunchy around here like it's so there's like some of that but there's also just like a lot of um straight people there's a lot of straight people yeah um but there are also a lot of interracial couples and we were just talking about this last night like i was asking her I was basically like, I'm so glad that we live here um, where, is like, she a, is she think, a local? Is she a native to California? Or no, she's Southern from Cal? New Hampshire, that classic Japanese <laughs> mecca. Um, right, of course. It's interesting, like, how I find Pasadena, it, to bring it back to our Chicago comparison, because I compare everything. I still do. I still compare everything to Chicago. Pasadena to me is like that mix of Oak Park and Evanston. Mm-hmm. So I find it very, you know how Oak Park is so like, they were like, had anti-gun measures. They had civil unions and partnerships. Mind you, I think of like my early 2000s time right. there, especially because like that's where friends live. Friends would move there. Like after their time in inner city, Oak Park, Evanston become nice suburbs because you're kind of in the city, kind of not. So exactly. Pasadena to me is prime Evanston prime like oak park burbank strikes me as naperville without the oh yeah without the river walk yeah yeah i mean i think i think it's like such a good i think the reason i'm saying this whole sort of long thing is i've never had this conversation with somebody about where we grew up so specifically this Mm -hmm. um because I don't but usually, there's so many of us. I don't usually, well, I don't usually inter- interview people on Query, the podcast, who like are from Naperville. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I think you're the first. Naperville needs a gay bar. I mean, like, I can't believe after still in yeah. 2020, it's, what, what was it? Hunters up in Elk Grove, I think was like the one. Oh my God, I've out never the been burbs. to, I have never been to a gay bar in the Burbs. And so I guess that's now on our to-do list for after yes, the pandemic. I've never been to Hunters. I did go to one with like uh, my friend, Adam Silver who is an actor, stage actor. He's in London right now, but he commercials and he, he promotes and produces a lot of shows like Tony Soto's learn the words, bitch at the lip sync show at Akbar, you know, Adam and I, he's also from the verbs. And I feel like we went to one like off of two ninety, oh like it, like in an industrial area. It was, we had the best time. I want, this was like maybe like five, six years ago. So it is interesting. I and then I'm sure like every gay person has had that wants to do that like travel. You know, like how everyone does this every in every iteration, like the travel across America and go to every small town gay bar, <laughs> and it that's you know. And then you tell your managers and they're like, "That's been done. Yeah. That's been done." And but like that's what it feels like in the verbs. I'm like, wow. I even in my now at 41, I gave up drinking last year. I'm just done, done, done with booze. There's enough I, the weed, marijuana, cannabis. It's legal. It's a better. I even joke with my Indian relatives. I'm like, we invented it. It's called ganja for a reason. It came over, you know, during slave trade. Let's, you know, let's go there through the West Indies. That's why we view marijuana as like that Caribbean Jamaican drug is because that's where it came over. 
you know, like how I just don't think I've come to this point in my life from like that Asian gene, you know, from East Asians to South Asians, like we should not be drinking alcohol. This <laughs> is so why we turn red and vomit and can't handle it versus like our Irish <laughs> friends, you know, Indians should not be drinking scotch and whiskey like we do, because that's the white man, the British poison. So I quit it because and but I do and I quit it and I had this moment of loss. Like, am I going to have my gay community if I don't go to the gay bars? Because especially class of 97 high school back then, it was this thing of like you wait till college to come out. Like, just get to college. Talk about the whole, like, it gets better moment. It was like, you just wait to college, you know? And then by, like, the mid-2000s, you're like, oh, Wabonzi has a gay straight club. Wish it was there in the 90s, but great for progress. So I did lament for a moment, like, am I going to, like, have my gay community without a gay bar? And so that's fascinating for us cisgendered gays, no matter what ethnicity. Like, oh, my God, I'm not going to have any gay friends if I don't have a place to get pissed drunk and black blacked out with yeah because we view different i think that's different for men yeah because like what is what what lesbian bars are left i mean there are bars i think that more so what it's like if i think about micro cultures um Mm -hmm. you know the like i i do know some like women or non-binary trans folks that like might go to weho I do know some that live in Long Beach that have like that version. It's like a, almost like a ponytail right. lesbian. Like that, <laughs> that person exists. They're also in San Diego. Like, you know, that's like a type of person or, or a community. And then there's also mm-hmm. this sort of like East side, like super um, social justice oriented, like wearing sure. a, a like wool sweater vest as a tank top to the gym person. Those are like very different communities. Like one is like on, you know, an adult softball team. And one of them like, doesn't like only does, you know, like gentle body affirming yoga. So there's like a little bit of a different vibe. And I think that in this sort of more leftist, um, version of queerness i think alcohol free spaces have become super popular not that there are right. so i'm very grateful bars but that is a thing that's been happening um which is which is also good for me you know i like have a bunch of reasons that being around alcohol is like not my favorite thing these days um, yeah it's just i think age helps i do understand like w- when i watched milk the movie and remember, like, one of the big wins for Harvey Milk up in San Francisco was, like, you know, the they, the beer boycott. I forget it was Bud Light or Coors, and they it's finally course. got some equality there. And I remember, like, great that that was an equalizer. But, you know, like, I was raised on Will and Grace, you know, those the first gay people I saw. And it was just get thee to a gay bar. So I, for, I mean, like, I do understand, like, why there's so much substance abuse, too, in our community. And because anything from the shame and religious stuff, any issues coming out. And now here you are at this party space that's been glorified in media. You know, every, I mean, go was like the movie, like my right before I turned 21, like, you know, the Katie Holmes, Scott Wolf, Jay Moore playing the gay couple. And I just remember like, I cannot wait to go to a rave and do that ecstasy. And then like right before they, they shut down like the ability to have raves in Illinois or Chicago right before I turned 21. So I remember like, oh, I guess I'll just go to spin for dollar drink night at Halstead and and uh, Belmont. And I do sometimes wish, like, cause I, made, I used to make jokes like, what am I going to do? Go to the gay library? Whoa. Can't wait to, hey guys, we're done with work. Let's go to the gay library. You know, like that was not the mindset. I wanted to get drunk and get bold because then you'll hook up with people easier, you know, especially post 9-11. Like, are you a terrorist? Sure, come home with me, you know? So, like, it is, like, and why I even think about this shift to, like, Long Beach has this, Alexandra Billings is, like, one of my dear friends from Chicago. She's my guru. She's just my confidant. And we watch scary movies with our friends Kate Martin and Armand Vasquez. We just, that's just our thing. We watch scary movies. She lives in Long Beach and we talk and she's also sober and we talk about like how 
it's a different life down there, like w- versus the WeHo life. Like I want to do like, oh, I would be more politically active or go to like the gay gardening group or like, let's go to the gay pickup Long Beach lakefront things. Like these are things like I would, I laughed at when I was younger. Cause I'd be like, I, what? No, being gay is just about having sex and drinking, not this other sense of community and activism. See, especially for like when you, I realize this, like, especially when you are a different ver- versus white gay culture versus anyone who's a BIPOC person and gay too. I notice like <laughs> there's a priority sometimes of what, which one comes first. Who am I? Let's think about like all the political stuff this, these past few months that any of us who, if you have a conscious or a voice, you say something, you know, we have friends who don't go political and then more and more of us are. And I realized that more of my stuff is still based on race. It'll be, you know, an Asian event. It'll be an Indian American event versus like a gay event for me, just like in my work, what I'm perceived as like where people grab and ask me to represent, it comes into my ethnicity still. And I, I'm looking forward to that change where I'm like, I'm also, you know, this gay queer person. And I want that to be just something I can deal and identify with too, not just add this. I'm, I'm saying this too, because I, I personally always identified with being gay first. And this actually where I just unaligned myself with like Sikhism. I was raised Sikh. We never had like the beards or turbans because my dad was one of those who was like, oh, I'm coming to America. I don't want to get more harassment. He cut his hair and beard before he even got here. So I'd never even had that kind of strict religious upbringing, but I just always felt it to be at odds with my sexual orientation and gender identity. Are you, if that is what's going on for you or when that was what's going on with your family, are you then able to be part of a Sikh community? Or is that like for the community sort of seen as like they left? I don't really because I'm an atheist. And but like and growing up, a, I, when your dad, you know, cut his hair and cut mm-hmm. his beard, did, was that any part of your life here in the US or was it not really? Part you know, of like, I have friends who like, you know, what we would do is think like, and so again, like we were, we went from literally Schomburg Hoffman Estates to Aurora Naperville, but every friend, like the Gurdwara, the main Gurdwara house of worship was in Palatine. There's one, I think also in downtown, maybe like on Devon Avenue in the, you know, little India, which is kind of like Artesia here. Um, which is another reason why we like Lakewood is like when mom comes to visit, at least we're five, 10 minutes from, India town. But what we would do is this is all the way up until maybe I was like about 13, 14, up until high school. Every Friday or Saturday, like what house, whose house are we going to? Are we going to Dolly Auntie's? Are we going to the Samras? Are we going to the Chuddas who live next door to Walter Payton up in Barrington? Like you literally, it was like a circle, a, a circuit. Like you'd go someplace to a party on Saturday. Sometimes I, we'd even like the kids would sleep over. And then the parents, we'd all see each other at Gurdwara on Sunday. And that's where you'd like, you know, like our friends, I remember Savichada, who uh, went to Loyola, you know, we've known each other since like before we were born. They lived up in Skokie. Then they moved to Barrington. And we would literally from Naperville Aurora do that hour drive. And that's what we did as like a community. That's where you'd see that those circles. I started, I stopped going because then the more of like, your, you know how your school friends then take precedence sure. over your church or family friends. And then I was like, oh, I can't go to the party tonight. I have, I'm doing the Fantastics at high school or we have tech or we're at a, you know, an Illinois IMEA like solo ensemble contest this week in our speech. <laughs> like that, that kind of be, took precedence. So that, in high school, that's where like uh, my Indian culture community kind of left me as my, you guys, we have our thespian society. We have a meeting <laughs> on Saturday. What event are we going to do for the freshmen? Like school became that kind of priority. So that's when it started leaving me. So I left that kind of cultural identity because like um, musical theater was more important, you know, like drama club, student council, like all of AP 
world history, you know, like all that stuff. That's when I, I remember I feel like I left my community and I was like, I need to listen to every Andrew Lloyd Webber musical before I start applying for high school, for colleges. Yeah. So that's, you see like how like that identity of career and craft and art and then a burgeoning sexuality that meant that that religion, cultural stuff, because like my friends from Gurdwara, they played basketball. You know, they, they were all we're also Sikhs tend to be <laughs> a bigger, taller people. Like even in India, they're farmers. They're a huge part of the military. But my mom and my dad, I think we're both like kind of the runts of the litter. Like my mom's brother and sister are like very tall. And all my cousins are like in like five, ten, six feet and above. And then this is also before the turban. So then you add the turban and they look gigantic. And I'm five, <laughs> right. five. Right. So I'm like, I had nothing to do with basketball. <laughs> and like, they, they'd be like, sure. and I remember like, I made that shift from like middle school, like hip hop. Like I love Belle Bib DeVoe and, you know, and that whole like, you know, Motown Philly, you know, the East Side family. And then, then Nirvana and like Sarah McLaughlin hit in high school. And I was like, oh, I don't associate myself with hip hop. I'm more into like the white women, whiny rockers, you know, <laughs> Jewel and <laughs> I mean, Tori Amos. And that's that. Sh- I remember like that shift. I'm like, oh, I'm purposely leaving this kind of culture behind for this more suburban white. I always joke, I'll do this a bit. You'll, you know, next time we're on a panel or a uh, or a show, you'll see me like, I'm actually a suburban white woman from Naperville, Illinois. <laughs> you know, I identify more with sometimes my friends, Amy and Monica, who still live there than I do now with like, we, there's some Indians, even like my friend Sonal Shah has told me about this. She has a big, again, I was raised Sikh. She was raised Jane. She talks about her community, how some people are still like, but what is Biden and Kamala going to do for India? And we're like, well, Kamala's American. I know, but what does she feel about India? What do I feel about India? I don't know. Like, they have their own politics. I mean, like, do, do does your, like, girlfriend, do people ask her, like, ooh, Shinzo Abe, he, he left, right? And she's like, okay, who? Oh, you don't know about the prime minister of, of Japan? I'm like, no, I mean, we, we live in Pasadena, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we get this ownness on us. So I just remember, like, I actively... And this is, again, not good or bad. It's just what I did. I remember purposely leaving it because I'm like, what does this have to do with me, like, auditioning for, you know, with, with my song for Pippin at Erda's, you know, for, like, the colleges? Well, I mean, that's so... Also, they, were, they didn't have that. That's, like, wild to think about, though, because of when you're talking about that happening in your life and then what you the shift that you spoke about happening around 9-11. Like, I remember... So when I was in high school, it was when Columbine happened. And there was one kid in my class who wore a trench coat and like that kid had to go to the office every day, you know, for like the rest of the year, which was like, which is terrible. He was already fully like, so like just othered constantly and made fun of very openly. And then like, okay, now he's like in this category. And when I was at BC, there was a, there was a dude in my class who was Sikh and he was called in to speak about, like, yeah, he was like called in for questioning by like the BCPD. I remember that. You, is that Boston College? Yes, yes. Sorry, I was not. Actually, but, but no, Boston knows. College was one of my college applications. Yeah. So when it, so I also went and went to Catholic College and watched again. I yeah. think what I'm saying is like this thing of like this isn't ours, and we'll then mistakenly bring in whoever. Like the fact that this dude like it like this isn't even the right thing this isn't even the right thing yeah, see. i know um and so I, i'm just I imagining if pro- that happened to you and you had left behind some of your culture was that isolating a bit no because i had our our theater community our gay friends you know that remember like theater communities why like we all you know like i hate to say this word now but i will you know like we were theater facts you know the, the band nerds, theater fags, you know, and we owned that phrase before any of us were like even out. But we, because like we would also then be the people like who would come, we'd go to the choir room early. We That's where we'd hang out before the school bell. So such a huge sense of community. Th- and these friends, like I told you, Amy, Monica, even my friend Danny Sama, 
who's an, who was the other Indian American best friend of mine. We were best friends. Yes, at first, maybe the first time we saw each other in fourth grade was because, yes, you're brown like me. And then it became like, oh, you also are a brainiac and in the gifted programs and AP classes. And Danny also did choir drama. We had a theater company in Chicago. He's a business, you know, he's a business major, works at Northwestern Medical, you know, had gone to Kellogg for grad school. But that's still love of theater. So like, I still even did have Indian friends. My friend Priya Reddy, she's a lawyer back in Naperville and her husband went to my mom's house to help set up a TV like a few weeks ago. That's just how so I still have a big Indian friend group. They're, they're just not necessarily Sikh, right? Now, the okay, people I've I mentioned the- so far today, Sonal, Dan, like, Sonal, Danny Sama, Priya Reddy are literally Jane, Telugu, Hindu, I'm the Sikh. Danny Pudi here in LA, name drop, is also one of my best friends with Sonal. He's, he's Catholic. So like, do you see like how... We have this thing, too, where, like, it becomes less even about, like, what religion. And some people do. Some people, some Indians do. Like, they only hang out with Gujarati Hindus or Punjabi Sikhs. But for me, coming at it from, like, oh, you'd like theater? Oh, Priya, you're in choir, too, but you don't want to do theater, but you just want to be in choir? Let's hang. We talk. We, we, we combine there. So I never had a loss of community in that regard. And it is, I remember, do you remember when Canada had gay marriage, I think, way before we did, or at least, you know, the steps of it. I forget now, like, you know how you forget the levels of civil union or domestic partnership? Because now we're at marriage. So you just, we just remember the end result. But Canada had it before us. And I remember that Sikh leaders, either from back in India or let alone in Canada, were actively against gay marriage. And so that was that first time I'm like, why would I belong? And this is my issue with like friends who are religious. We don't don't talk about it because I've realized in my career and work, I got angry online years ago. You know, this is like my now grown up. I'm an adult now. I feel like I can have my opinions and there's a good way to do it versus kind of like a tear everything, let it burn, alienate all your friends and allies just because they have different belief systems. But for me, one of the big things with religion where I still struggle with, and I don't know how to articulate it yet, but I'll just tell you what the process is. How do you belong to a club that does certain acts that can be horrible? And again, I know that there's some things that you can choose what you belong to and some things you can't. I being gay, who arouses me, who I love, depending on their, you know, their, their, their own orientation, identity, genitals, whatever, you know, is if that causes someone pain, anger, wants to take away my rights. And even if you personally don't like, oh, I'm a good Catholic, you know, I don't, I don't agree with what they do. Like, oh, I'm for contraception and gay marriage. Then I'd argue like, but then, but they wouldn't view you that way. You know, like you don't fit all the the requirements for membership. An ex of mine, would say like, you know, I'm sure that that will, you know, like to the friends like in the 50s or 60s who were still going to Woolworths while black youths were getting like hosed down with water for sitting at the counter. You know, he would say like, oh, I oh, I'm so sorry, black people. But, you know, th- these sodas, these ice cream sodas are just so delicious. Is that worth it? Is is the benefit of knowing what happens when you die or, you know, because it is fear. Why do these creation myths and religion exist? to explain the things that we didn't know. Uh, you know, Greeks thought, oh, that's Apollo going across the sky in the in his sun chariot. That's why we have the sun. Now we know like, oh no, it's a ball of gas in the middle of the <laughs> a middle of space that we circulate. So I have, pro- I struggle with that still. Like, why would you belong to a group that like the Sikh Canadians, leader, Sikh religious leadership who are saying like, no, don't support this law. I'm like, why, why, why? What does it affect? Why do you have to meddle. So that's the thing of like where I struggle is like, okay, great. You believe in God. Oh, you love these things and it's community and it's fellowship. But they also like, oh, do you remember that history of them not allowing women to have equal leadership roles? You don't, you, you've, you, you've also read the thing that we know that priests aren't allowed to marry, not because Jesus was celibate, but because the church property, they, the church leaders, if I married a woman, and then we had a kid, and I was a priest, and my kid isn't a priest. 
the church property goes to the son. You know, they shift, they switch that because it was power, real estate, everything. So it's just hard to me. I do struggle with that sometimes. Like, how can you belong to some groups that do bad things? It's just that simple. Like, would my, in 2020, would my friends like me if I went to a country club that did not allow in Black people and women? I mean, what would my excuse be? Oh my gosh, but their brunch is so good in the in the restaurant. Oh, but the the putting green is just to die for. I mean, like, is that worth it? That's in a nutshell where I struggle with religion and with friends. I'm like, why would you belong to a group that tells that actively votes and spends money? We know this, Cameron. I mean, like, I'm preaching to the choir here, but like, it's it's a hard struggle for me sometimes. Like those, like you and your friends will sell me, send me stuff like, look, the Pope is not saying that, you know, right the, in the last few weeks, how in a documentary, Pope Frankie said that, hey, gay people need a life too. I'm like, then, then you're the one who talks to God. Just say it. Just I know. make a decree. I mean, we're not, yeah, we are. Well, for me, I, this is, you know, sort of the source of the biggest rift with my faith that happened, you know, 20 years ago. and that I've been trying to sort through because it's not just the like lower level um, membership, but where I really started to break away was thinking that there is like a dude who, you know, cause I grew up Catholic. There's like a dude who lives in utter luxury, like in a very fancy place with any need attended to, and he can choose to not take advantage of those, you know, and, become even holier but he can also have anything he wants he's got the second most land of any person in the world um and that that person would think that they are right about things that at 19 i knew were wrong you know to me it was like oh this person is lying and i like didn't ever i just grew up and i didn't think about that at all and then I, it you know, to your point about Pope Francis, who's like gotten so much positive press because he like vaguely cares about the environment. And, um, you know, that, that statement that he said is also like really sinister because he came out in favor of civil unions, which actually means that he doesn't think queer people have any right to get married in the church. Like for queer Catholics, that was not a statement of hope. That was a, a like doubling down on otherness. I haven't really heard anybody saying this, but like I could not help but interpret it that way. Where it's like if somebody believes in civil unions, that by definition means they don't happen in the church, which means that like in 2020, he came out with like, I essentially think that outside of the church, this is fine. And like, that is hurtful, you know, that will continue to hurt young people who are raised in that faith. Um, I didn't even think about it that way. I, um, because especially when, if you take an absolutist who believe, like, you know, we, we look at French society where they're totally secular, where they do it's separation of church and state, they might be okay with that. That's fine. Cause you know, they also have their own Catholic Protestant issues. They've had wars over it. They, they you know, they might view that like, okay, fine. That that absolves it. That fits with our defining rules. I don't. To be fair, like you're right. I don't. I wouldn't think about the cat, the gay, or queer Catholic person who still wants to stay in the church because that that's hard for me. Like I would not. Well, or even the kid who like hasn't had that the opportunity to make that decision yet. So like yeah. I often think about the childhood damage that you know because you when you go to Catholic school you do the sacraments like in school, which the sacraments are it's essentially akin to like a bar or bat mitzvah, but it happens over years. You know, you like choose to get deeper and deeper into the faith by taking all of these steps. And then eventually you um, are confirmed, which is like, which is a child. We get the new name. Which is a child saying that they're an adult <laughs> in the church. Um, mm. So anyway, I just say all that because by the time people, I think, are at a place where they can make a decision, 
I think sometimes the damage in the family has already happened or the damage in that sure. individual has already happened. So yeah, it's like But don't you don't you hear their fear? Like cuz when I hear when I think about Christianity especially cuz I feel like at times I know more about Christianity and I and I don't even mean just like the Jesus Christ superstar version of Christianity, but which I romanticize all the time. And when I heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls and the possibility of a book of Mary that they just hid, it it it, it thrills me. Because it makes me feel like, yes, they actually were more progressive or life was, but there were times in our society and cultural history as a, uh, on the planet where we're like, no, we need to have more control over people. This is too free, too liberal. So I just feel like, how do other people not read things and know about like that this is all power, this is control? And even to like the Catholicism, schisms, and even the first time I heard about Martin Luther you know, the 95 Theses, Martin Luther, as a non-Christian, but American-born kid growing up in the suburbs, I could not for the life of me understand why Christians argued with each other. You know how some people would say, like, if I told you, like, you know, Cameron, you're like, oh, you're a Christian. And you'd be like, Excuse- no, Parf, I'm Catholic. I'm like, what is the difference? Your conduit to spirituality and the afterlife is through Jesus Christ, is it not? Yes. So what do Lutherans, Protestants, Episcopalians, Baptists believe? Jesus. So are you not all Christians? No. What? Like, you know, us brown kids were, or non-Christians were like, what are you talking about? How does that make sense? But then I, again, the older I got, I'm like, oh, even in friends who are Muslims, I'm like, they have Sunni, Shia, Kurd, Ismaili, you know, like friends who are Ismaili, like, which is the most like liberal but I understand why they have all these fights too. So like, this is where I get lost. I'm like, this is too much. It's too much. It's so much rules and like regulations and fighting over like, okay, but yeah, you worship Jesus coming up on the left side of the pulpit. We worship him coming up on the right side. What does that mean? <laughs> like these, these things are so funny to me. And it just boils down to like, even when you think of like the nobleness that some people have, like, I need to protest outside of this abortion clinic because I'm worried about the souls of the children. If you took, if they took a lie detector, we know like how people can really believe their lie is truth. No, Cameron, the earth is flat. I'll take a lie detector test. I will, it will, because they believe it so much. So what do you do with people who believe that no, Parvish, you cannot marry a man because your soul will not go to heaven with me? Or you won't get your planet with me, us Mormons. Or you won't return with Xenu, us Scientologists. Or you won't get your uh, your 70 virgins if we're fundamental Islam. You know, like, it's just so crazy. Like, all these little rules that, like... And then it, the biggest thing about it all, why I think about the... Why religion is just here to explain what happens when we die or the afterlife is it's just fear. Um, that Ricky, I hate... Oh, I know, because, like, he's problematic but I I do kind of love him. That Ricky Gervais movie, The Invention of Lying, and I think Jenna Rollins or someone plays his mom and she's dying and he's the first person on the planet in this movie who comes up with lying. And he basically says like, you're not going to die? And she's like, what? Because again, no one lies on this in this world. You're going to go to this magical place where everyone you know is there and she's crying and he's crying and everyone's crying and I'm crying watching it because I was just like, this does make people feel better. What a nice sentiment to tell your mother on her deathbed that you're going to this wonderful place. So I understand the sentiment, but as we learn as a society, like that these 60 to 100 years that we have as a people, this is, again, this this explains everything to me. Like this might be all we have. Like you mentioned environment even too. This might be all we have. So like, why aren't we making the best of it? Why do we have these like five-year, 10-year fights with people? That's just like a fifth, 10th of your life. You've just wasted because this, you know, like even friends of mine, like who I, I fought with about religious stuff, who I'm not close with anymore. I'm just like, I'm here. I've apologized and I've taken the blame. You're the one who's missing out on us having this friendship because your faith system, and again, that fear of what happens when you die or the unknown is stronger than your need to have this time on here on earth with me. So I'm just like, you know, like, and when, and then I think that a lot of religions did that magical, they did that magical escape pause. 
could this and Cameron, you're catching me at my like very most blunt, but I, I'm going to say it. If it was such, if heaven, if these magical places are so wonderful, why don't you kill? Oh, everyone wrote that no suicide clause, but you don't get to go to this place if you kill yourself. Why? You said it's so wonderful. I just want to go there right now. No, because we need you on earth to pay taxes and and to build me another church or something. That's just fascinating to me. Like the caveat is you can't get to this magical place until a natural life or something like that's like, hmm. Well, Wait, what? You know, I, th- I think some of it is also. I think some of it is also what we are supposed to do with ourselves now. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you that there's an emphasis on the security in the afterlife. I'm from a faith that literally sold like essentially coupons for going to heaven. <laughs> um, right. The, the tie, no, not the tie, the con- condolence. What were they called? Condolences? Why am I so? No. But I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, that's why Martin Luther Indulgences. got wrote his 95. Indulgences! Um, anyway. Not so, condolences. <laughs> so, um, you know, <laughs> that, that all being said, I will, I think that a lot of it is also just what, like, why am I supposed to get up in the morning today? You know, because I, even there are, like, the, for instance, the Episcopal AME Church that was created here in the U.S. that's like, the black denomination that that branched off of the Episcopal Church saying, like, oh, y'all can like come, but you definitely can't make him be important or make decisions. Um, you know, I think that what we want to feel like in our life is that we have somewhere to go. Like it's literally the cheers theme song is like also as much why people um make many of the choices that they make. And so I am going to figure out a way to bring this into your life today, which is, you know, we have a lot in common in terms of the things that we think are bullshit. And it sounds like you have had a lot of community in in the past, but how are you finding it possible to have community right now? Easily. I, the, the older we've gotten too, like I've realized that that extroverted part of my life where the most friends won or if I walk into a bar rolling in with like 10 friends deep, I'm cool, you know, versus like going into that bar alone. Cause you're like, I'm clearly here just to go home with somebody. So like that, I, I, I say like, you really need like maybe like 10 friends, 10 close people. I don't care if they're like around the world because I do love the, the equalizer that technology is the fact that we can have a, audio chat and a video chat at the same time. And it's not just AOL instant messenger in the nineties on a, your, you know, the second phone line that you you're privileged to have to share with your brother. I mean, like you can connect. I mean, like I do, I'm glad that my mom has WhatsApp that, and the WhatsApp family chat literally goes from like India to London to the Canadians to mom in Chicago. And then I'm at the end of the day where I'm like a hundred messages by the time I wake up. But I love the fact that th- that communication, that connection is there. So I feel like, and even like how you said, like moving to the bigger space, it's it's key, let alone the quarantine, let alone, but just getting older, I'm like, I like having the, the domicile, the home. <laughs> I like the Jenny Yang Animal Crossings of it all. Like we, I I played that game. I got really angry because you started off in debt. And then like, I'm like, my own home isn't clean. And here I am like decorating the walls of my, my fake house Wait, that's... because all I want to do is nest in real life, but I'm going to this fake world to do it. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, and we're, we're about to be at a time in a moment. And I want to just like, I want to tell you something that I just heard in what you were talking about that I really relate to, which is like, for <laughs> me right now, I think I was headed into here anyway, but like the quarantine has actually allowed me the opportunity to realize that I like to grow up because I think, you know, working in comedy or being an actor, like these are jobs where we don't have like sort of normative, um, like marketing job timelines in our lives. And then add to that also queerness does that too. We have like this sort of delayed, um adulthood thing because there's not necessarily a like race to 
have biological kids. Like some people want to have right. biological we, kids, we, we, but it's so different the way that it's mixed into our community. Yeah. So, and we were late. When was your first kiss? I feel like my first kiss was five, six years later than every. Yeah, exactly. Losing my virginity was at was yes. four, so five like years a after. Delayed everyone. adolescence in yeah three different categories in my life. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what I did for a job, and then you know when I started kissing the people I want to kiss, and then you know right, and then just general queerness. So then it's like I really am sort of catching up with myself and realizing that much like what you're saying, you know, the stuff that I value is. I live in this smaller community now. And um, the reason we're doing this chat so early is that I'm going to go to the library's book club after this and like yeah. really get involved in my town, you know? Um, and so, so I say all of that because that's been like a real gift of this is that I've gotten to get to know myself and like make decisions based on what I want versus needing to be in the geographically the right place. Um, and Cameron, may I jump off of that? Like, I, that's why I'm looking forward to home ownership. I hate that I, and I know this about myself. I know that like home ownership is not the end all be all, not the American dream that it was. That being said, it is still this thing that is clawing at me that I need. That's when I have success or be an adult when I own it. And especially in the quarantine, it's become more and more of a need for us. And luckily because of the quarantine, we know that we can audition from, we can do more self-tapes. We yes. can, I literally have a Disney record in a few hours in the in my closet. Yes. And I'm grateful for it. But I can do that now. Again, I don't have to be in Burbank. I don't have to be in Studio City for it. I can be further out. So I'm looking forward to that because that's exactly like, even when we said about like Long Beach, Lakewood, Pasadena, I want to get involved in the community. And I felt as a renter, I'm like, I'm just temporary. And this has been like now 20 years later, I still have not really gotten involved locally. And I do feel like I'm even shifting a bit more, even lefty liberal. And I know he's not out yet, but just the fact that we've gotten the menace elected out and I do hope democracy. And I'm also just waiting for like my more militant friends to be like, tell me when to go to the streets. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Just tell me when to go. I don't know when to go, but I, I'm going to go. So, but if we need to, but right now I'm living in the world, you know, in November of 2020, that he's going to be gone and we're going to have some better days ahead. That being said, I'm going to like really embrace, I think my democratic socialism. I was so for Bernie in 2016 because I thought we had this rise. We're like, we had Barack and we're just going to go, it's going to be full on liberal. We're going to be, you know, before we knew what a Green New Deal was, like environment. And then when he lost to Hillary, I'm like, great, we're going to get the first woman president. Then Trump got in and I felt like all of us was like, it was like hitting a brick wall. And then that wall was moving us backwards. So he's out. I was so pushing Biden, Kamala, let, forget about any of the identity politics with Kamala because they're there. But just the fact that these let's be honest, a little bit more centrist folks are in. Now going locally, I am, you know, I've looked up the Democratic Socialists. They have a Long Beach chapter. They have, let alone LA. And I'm embracing because I, I think that we can do that locally. Yes. You me- I think you mentioned earlier even too about like how affirmative action, let alone for high school colleges, but California didn't pass the affirmative action prop. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instagram I have know. decided on a new working class I know. at their own. I mean, and this is California. So we're not as liberal. Prop 8. We were here for Prop 8. You know, like there's... So that being said, like I am going to get more involved in my community, especially yes. like Nithya Raman is everything for me. You know, to fac- finally get her on city council, someone who like will deal with the homelessness issue. Like that I'm looking forward to. And Cameron, I do want to jump on one last thing about what you mentioned about like how we talk about religion and everything. I do think that we as a society globally does not need religion. It can be part of our history, but we don't need it to be to dictate why you need to be ethical or a good person. You know, we we sh- you see all those feel good memes of like babies hanging out together cuz you know everything has to be taught and learned and you know South Pacific Rogers and Hammerstein you've got to be carefully taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made. I mean, that was brilliant and groundbreaking in the 40s and 50s, whenever that musical came out. But it's still true. And I do think that I know enough that it's the golden rule. It's the simplest of it. 
treat others how you want to be treated. You don't need necessarily like, and I knew that for a time in our history as a society, we might've needed it. But when I think of like even gay rights that have come so far in our lifetime, and I'm, I'm really optimistic and hoping, and I even look at like how trans rights have come so far. Yes, of course, there were threats in these last few years, but look at how much it keeps getting better. So I, I am optimistic on that. And I do think that you can be a good person, live decently without necessarily living under the dogmatic rules of some of these organizations. I do have hope and belief in that. Well, truly no disagreement for me. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Like, like, super, yeah. Actually, no. Um, okay. <laughs> well, in conclusion, um, I just want to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel like you can be who you are today. Yeah. Um, I mentioned her earlier. It's Alexandra Billings. Awesome. All day long. She's been on yeah, the show. She is, she is everything for me. Like, she is... When I first met or heard of Alex was when I was working at Chicago Shakespeare. She, Brian Stepanek, Mick Napier, you know, Mick Napier's improv god from Chicago, like Annoyance Theater founder. They were doing a version of uh, Hamlet. And Alex was Queen Gertrude. It was hilarious. And I think even back then we used to use the word transsexual. You know what I mean? Like. But that kind of thing, like a transvestite was a straight person who just dressed up for a kink or for fun. Transsexual was someone who was more, you know, like how that's just even from the like early 2000s to now how we've changed. I will always take from Alex the fact that she is one of the most self-actualized people I've ever met. She is living her, you know, we use this phrase all the time, but she was living her truth before I knew what that phrase meant. So I'm in awe of her. I, I go to her for any kind of like some struggles, but equally like what shitty are, are we going to watch? We literally just watched The Omen, the original, the Gregory Peck one on, you know, via text and Zoom just a few weeks ago. So it's just such a reminder that the a friend who can be such an icon and represent so much for so many people especially now, especially more. She's going to be on the Connors. She's recurring on the Connors, for God's sake, you know? And I, I know that there's like a Steppenwolf connection there too, which is wonderful, but like, it's just amazing to me. Like, that's the person, even for this cisgendered gay uh, Indian kid who's still like that person I know I can call, text. And I feel like she's this for a lot of people. You know, like how they talk about like how Richard Simmons, even before he became a recluse, like was still calling like all of his former like you know people struggling with their weight over the years so i know that so many people reach out and look to her and i am just grateful that she gives of herself to so many of us well this was a great chat and thank you so much for your time thank you so much of course cameron i love you 